The Full Exposure Podcast is made possible by Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn in appreciation for the contributions that artists and creative minds provide to our community. Arts and culture are essential to a rich and rewarding life, strengthening our overall well-being and our appreciation of all that we see, hear, and experience. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of Full Exposure with me, your host, Brian Kelly. And this is the first episode of the new decade of 2020. It's a new year. I could not be more excited about what's going to happen with the podcast over the next year. And uh, if you're just joining us, this, this is the first podcast of ours that you've listened to. I just want to welcome you and explain the premise really quick of this podcast. I am a photographer. I'm a video director also. But uh, the premise of the podcast is typically I invite a guest to my studio in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We sit down. The first thing we do right away when the guest arrives at the studio is uh, we shoot a portrait. And I create a portrait of that guest. And then we sit down and have a conversation about whatever we want. Sometimes these are people I've never met before. Sometimes these are old friends or artists or people I've known through my business or whatever it may be. Sometimes I have a connection with them. Sometimes I don't. And, uh, and occasionally we take the podcast out on location. We go to our guests and we do a photo shoot at a place that's significant to that person. And then we sit down and have a conversation in that location. And uh, last fall, in October, we went to California. And we did uh, five different episodes. And this is the fourth episode, I believe, that we're releasing from that Los Angeles-based trip. I like the premise because uh, many times uh, in my professional life as a photographer, I have um, used conversation during a portrait session to um, get people to relax, get their mind off all the equipment and gear and strobes and crew standing around. And um, invariably, a great conversation would get started during a photo shoot. And then when the photo shoot ended, so did that conversation. So this whole podcast is built around the idea that uh, I get to have still have that great portrait session with somebody, but then we get to extend our conversation into a podcast format. So that's the premise of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you've been listening to us a lot in 2019, thank you. Thank you because uh, we've had some amazing growth uh, in 2019. And it's because of people who are sharing us on Facebook or you've seen our video clips of excerpts of our conversations. um, And uh, you've somehow spread the word about our podcast. And for you guys out there who... uh, listen to us fairly frequently, I appreciate you. So thank you very much. So just before we hop into this episode with Carter Osterhaus, I just wanted to uh, tell you about December. I had intended to get this episode with Carter out in mid-December, and that never happened, and it's for good reason. I was actually very busy in mid-December. I went to Connecticut and shot a project there, a photo shoot for a few days, and then uh, immediately left Connecticut to go to Scottsdale, Arizona, to direct a video project 
for an entire week um, in Scottsdale. And it was a blast, but it sort of disrupted what I had anticipated for the podcast schedule. So I got back from Arizona and got right into family uh, arriving from around the country and staying with us uh, for for the holidays. And I just unplugged everything, which I hope you guys did too. I I thought about trying to still muscle uh, this podcast out and I thought, nope, I'm going to take some time with the family, enjoy the holidays and the new year. So I'm really fired up. I'm rested and I am excited, as I said, about 2020. And I could not be more excited that the first episode of 2020 is with my friend Carter Osterhaus. So let me properly introduce my friend Carter. Carter Osterhaus is a native of Traverse City, Michigan. Carter first came to fame as a carpenter on HGTV's Trading Spaces, during the explosion of many popular DIY, do-it-yourself, home renovation shows. Carter has parlayed his television success into even more television shows, some of which he now owns and produces. He's also authored books, and he builds playgrounds across the country with his nonprofit organization called Carter's Kids. He's also invested heavily back into his hometown of Traverse City with the launch of the amazing Bonobo Winery on beautiful Mission Point in Traverse City just a few years ago. I first met Carter six years ago when I was asked to create portraits of him for an advertising campaign. We'd stayed in touch off and on since then, and when I asked him to be a guest on the podcast while I was out in Los Angeles, he mentioned that we could do a shoot at his home in Malibu. Let's just say we jumped at the chance Carter's home with ocean views from atop a canyon ridge is truly a magical place to shoot some portraits and have a conversation. Carter and his wife, actress Amy Smart, keep deep ties back in Michigan where they keep a home in Traverse City. Together they founded Smart House Collections, a company that is dedicated to more eco-friendly bedding products. And Carter uh, has not, he's just been so nice to me over the years and uh, very inviting. I think it's part of our Michigan tie. We talk a lot about being from Michigan and a podcast. And um, I really, really appreciate him as uh, someone I admire as a business person, someone who's always giving back to uh, the various communities that he lives in. He's very involved both in Los Angeles, Malibu, and also in um, in Traverse City and across the country building playgrounds. And uh, he's just a great guy. I would like to thank again uh, Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn for making these on-location episodes possible. All five of these from California uh, were made possible by Metro Health, and they bring you conversations that take place outside of my studio, and we are so appreciative of their partnership with us. We are excited about 2020 and continuing our partnership with them, and uh, so thank you, Metro Health. So without further ado, let's launch into and explore the bigger picture with my friend, entrepreneur, TV personality, winery owner, playground builder, father, husband, and overall great guy, Carter Osterhaus. So what about Dan Tanis? So, so Dan, we were just, uh, let me Tannis. set this up because we were talking yeah. about Hollywood legendary bars. And I, Mark and best. I went to Dantana's last night. Yes. The and best. You, it's you my it. favorite restaurant. And the one thing, we moved outside of LA and 
that's the really one thing that I do miss is Dantanis because it's got so much history to it. It's a tiny little it's little so spot, warm. and, and it, it's just like the waiters come out. You know, they're they're not checking every glass that they pour of wine for you. It's just got that history yeah. where they're just they see your glasses, you know, half empty. They'll come over and put more wine in it. They don't even ask questions, and then they barely, you know, they don't charge you or they do charge you. It's like right. So it's a thing, and and so the maitre d at Dantana's, his name was Craig. And he was the guy who everybody had to know to get into Dantana's, yeah. like back in the 90s. And then, and then Craig did so well at Dantana's that he ended up starting his own restaurant right down the road called Craig's. <laughs> and so it's, it's amazing to see because the maitre d' now at Dantana's and then and the maitre d' at Craig's, Peter, um, you know, they're like, they're like, the, they're like the security the, to get into these, you know, unlock the key to get into oh, these Oh, I know. Places. We went in and it was, a, it was just before, it was probably like 5.15, 5.30 when we got there, just before a lot of people started coming. And there was only one seat at the bar. Yeah. And there's restaurant, or the tables were, it was only maybe half full. Uh-huh. So I talked to this guy, the maitre d' there, yeah. the host, yeah. host. And I said, is there any way we can just like grab a spot at the bar? Yeah. He goes... Why don't you just go go talk to the bartender? I don't deal with the bar, but he was saying it in a really funny yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. He was just like, and it, yeah. I just loved how he was like, uh-huh. "That ain't my problem." Yeah, totally. <laughs> so what's hilarious is Amy, used, Amy, my wife, used to go to acting class with that maitre d' at Dantana's now. No way. And so when we were on like our fourth date or whatever, she took me to Dantana's, and I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be hard to get in." Right. Sure enough. My wife's cool like that. She's like old school Hollywood where people just know who she is. Or yeah. she's got like that reputation of like, you know, she's been here for a while doing the doing the thing. And um, she's, you know, not all in the hustle and bustle of Hollywood, but yet she still, you know, can she still can either know somebody because she's been around the business for so yeah. long, like the maitre d' who she was in acting class with, you know, 25 years ago, or... What the coolest thing she ever did on our second date, she took me to a place called Casa Vega, and it was an hour wait, and she went up and, and greased the, the maitre d', <laughs> gave him a 20, 20 spot, and I was like, who are you? You just got <laughs> so much cooler. Coming in. Yeah, yeah, totally. Especially like when you're a guy from Michigan, oh. and you're coming out here, you got yeah. no cred, and then you're, no. you know, you're dating a woman who's, who's uh, making tables open in two minutes. Yeah. And, and by the way, guys from Michigan wouldn't do that. Like, we just kind of yeah. are like, okay, we'll take our table in two hours. Okay, we'll take our table in two hours. No problem. We'll just yeah. wait right here. And if you end up, if it ends up three or four, yeah. don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, hey, and then after like two hours, like, hey, really thank you for letting me in. Appreciate it. This place, you know, yeah. we don't do that. We're dopey. Yeah, totally. Just don't push people around enough. Yeah. Make stuff happen. I know, I know. Yeah. Um, but you just kind of like... You know, there's other, there's really cool spots around here in Malibu, which is great. But there's also some very big touristy spots too. And on the weekends up here, you know, it just it gets really crowded, and and so you tend to either stay at your home or you know don't yeah. really go because it's only the PCH. That's yeah. what one people one thing people forget about Malibu. Yeah. It's literally the PCH and not much more. So and neighbors, there's neighborhoods and the PCH. Yeah, and, so and, it's not like there's a really canyons. Yeah, there's kind of a downtown Cross Creek, but yeah. like you know, not much. And and so you got the beach, which yeah. is great, but you you know you still have to navigate PCH. And 
Uh, well, dude, thank you so much for having us up here. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you, you were able to come. I'm sorry about these fires that are existing right now up here in yeah. As Southern we California. timestamp this, we're I, I don't know, is it the 11th or 12th of October? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some fires uh, a couple miles away, yeah. but it's kind of a little bit smoky right now. We're lucky that the Breeze is coming off the ocean, so it's yeah. pushed it back a bit. So when we get these Santa Anas in California, in Southern California, it's not something that is normal. And when you get the Santa Anas, all these winds come from the east. They fly over the desert, and they basically are the opposite of what you get day to day. And that's when everybody kind of worries because it's like the, the dry season right now, and yeah. and the Santa Anas are pushing things in a different you know direction. So if they're and and they're fast. And there's a lot of heat behind them. And so yeah. if, if something sparks, if a fire starts, you know, everybody hears about these California wildfires. But they're, you know, that's because a lot has to do with the San Anas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and once it's going, it's ripping. It's yeah. ripping through stuff. Right. Like last year was really scary. We were yeah. talking about that earlier. but And it got really close to around here, too. There's that one famous shot from the PCH oh, at yeah. the yeah. Santa Monica yeah. where it just looked like yeah, that was right down the road here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when everybody had to evacuate, so we had to evacuate for the fires last year. And fortunately, the evacuation, though it was still an evacuation, was not like your typical evacuation where you're like, run, get out of here, because there was not a fire right next door. Now, right. it wasn't far, but it still did not have that effect on us, though all of our phones went off and yeah. said we had to get out as soon as quickly as we could. So we had that moment of, you know, total yeah. freak out. Yeah. And my wife and I sat there so quick, just grab stuff, let's go. And then we realized, okay, the fire's not that close to us. Right. So what, are, what, what should we take? I don't know. <laughs> no, don't put that Don't put that in the car. Let's take something else. So, I mean, we were here roughly for like a good two hours before we actually had to leave. But the PCH, they had three lanes going in one direction. Yeah. And uh, the other lane was for coming back, which they wouldn't really, that was only for service vehicles. And then um, what the crazy thing is also the thing people forget about is up here in Malibu, it is where, you know, celebrities want to get away and all that Mm -hmm. jazz and some really nice homes. But it's also a lot of people who have been here for years. Yeah. And if you're in like up near Topanga or wherever, like there's these old ranches in the canyons and and there's just normal, normal people. Like actually they have livestock and they have, you know, I mean, there's a farm right below our house right here. And, um, and so there's a farm right here. She has a ton of horses and cows and stuff. And, and people forget about that. You know, they're just families who, you know, they're not in the Hollywood industry or whatever. They're just, you know, they have their whatever, their livestock or yeah. their farm. And and so the weird thing, the point of that was that the weird thing, when we did have to evacuate, we would we were driving down the PCH, bumper-to-bumper traffic, and you would see on the beach these makeshift pens for all the farm animals. Oh, because man. if you think about it, what do you do with those farm animals when a fire exists? You, yeah. you kind of just take them down to the beach, and that's the only place. That was the most... Uh, mo- that was the moment when I sat, thought to myself, okay, this is getting weird. And surreal. Yeah. You know, when you're seeing, live, you know, whatever, horses and stuff on the yeah. beach penned up or right. a dog or, you know, or whatever it is, chickens. Well, then it is Malibu, so there were giraffes and, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, things you shouldn't be seeing my in Malibu. My tiger. Uh, where's yeah. my tiger? So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely there was. And you're like, wait, that's, who has that? What you a know. surreal Yeah, thing. that was kind of strange. Do you, you and Amy have different perspectives on that? Because like, she's so L.A. Yeah. and is, um, probably doesn't really think some things are strange that you think are strange. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> 
Well, Amy did grow up in Topanga, so that's strange to me. Country girl more. Yeah, well, hippie girl. Yeah. You know, and so that's really, you know, where that and that world still exists up there, which is really cool. And uh, but yes, we do have things that are completely different. And, you know, look, we also have a ton of similarities as well. But, you know, being from Michigan and the Midwest, it's you do have a different difference in appreciation or just, Just you know, that doesn't happen everywhere or anywhere else. Absolutely. But then, uh, and you guys spend still a lot of time up in Traverse City, but does she have those kind of odd moments up there where it's like, that seemed like the most Michigan thing I ever saw? Oh, (laughs) absolutely. Because in Michigan, we have like a lot of, you know, our our language can be a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, our accents and how we stress various, you know, letters. And, 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 And that's just so, when you spend a lot of time probably just anywhere away from where you're from, I think that exists with a lot of people, but Michigan definitely. Well, you know, on your ear, you forget about it, and then you come back and you're like, okay, I, I heard it. Because yeah, you yeah, don't hear it any yeah. other time. But it's also like the, uh, you know, sort of the mentality in different areas, you know? Like you think of, like the, 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 the stereotypical thing is like New Yorkers, you know? They just put their heads down, they move forward, right? right. Californians, they're kind of like lazy and laid back, you know? And it's like, and in Michigan, I think we're, you know, we have that, whatever that is that exists that when you go back there, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I what do you think that, that is? Because I think, well, I'm from Grand Rapids. You're from Traverse City. But when you say, if I say to anyone mm-hmm. where 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 are you from? And you say Grand Rapids, Michigan. They, yeah. It just sounds so provincial yeah. and small, and yeah. it is the second largest city in the state. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's like, I think if, for coastal people, it uh-huh. just does not register. You might as well yeah. say like Des Moines, Iowa, totally. or, or, you know, somewhere in yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I think the thing is with Michigan, we just kind of everywhere get a bad rap, you know, and, and you kind of have to really, Look, I'm the biggest like I'm the biggest preacher of Michigan. Yeah. And I travel all the time and I'm always speaking about how much it, how great it is, how many different amazing parts of Michigan there are. And I really I feel like I'm such an ambassador to the state because I love it so much. Yeah. Um and even today this morning I was having a conversation and this lady was she's kind of a little funny and she's an older lady and she's like, "Why don't you go back?" You know, and how she gave me that kind of like, <laughs> like you little, like it so yeah, much. Yeah, why don't you go back? Like, and easy, I was like, easy, la- hey, hey, easy, slow your roll, easy. But um, but I do, I really do love it, and I, you know, you have to kind of explain to a lot of people because they just they they think Michigan's a flyover state. Yeah, you know, and it just it doesn't exist. But it really, truly is. I think, especially up north, mm-hmm. uh, I had to shoot one. This was only a few weeks ago, but. Uh, I sort of took it for granted, but then when I really thought about it, how rare this assignment was, I shot something for the Wall Street Journal, and it was like, will you go to Mackinac Island for three days? We're doing a story about new construction on the mm-hmm. island and how everything's still brought in on horse carts sure. and, and you know, freight ferries and uh-huh. and the codes and all this other stuff that right. they have to follow. And I just got to stay in Mackinac Island for three days, right. and you sort of... It's a place I've gone my whole life, yeah. at least, you know, every couple of years. And then you kind of look around through the lens of like, okay, people are going to see this from all over the yeah. country or world, even with the Wall Street Journal. Uh-huh. And um, so I, I, it's fun when you can take that perspective and see some things with some fresh eyes. Yeah. Either, but certainly Because well, you know other people are going to be looking at it yeah. and you kind of, that 
forces you to look at it through a different lens, which is also, by the way, that's a great thing because you get to appreciate it more. Yeah. Right? It's like not taking everything we have around us in life for granted. Yeah. And just to be in the moment and present and go, okay, I'm going to pull this in for a second. Right. And, uh, but certainly Traverse City, where you're from and where your your business and your other uh, home, because you guys kind of split time. I mean, you're mostly out here, but mm-hmm. you spend the, the best months in Michigan. Pretty much. The yeah. Um, yeah, we I bought a house back there in 2006, and um, and and you know really knew that I wanted to stay back or get back there as much as I I could possibly get back there, and it seemed like obviously the summers and. And then I just started, you know, figuring it out and that, you know, a lot of my work is on the road anyway, so it's, I can kind of live anywhere, but I still have to be in LA just because that's where I get the job. Well, and we'll talk about it later, but you've merged into just not being on camera. You, you're owning and producing and pitching shows and that's, that's more of a, that's more of a business. got to be in around and do meetings. Yeah. Right. Right. Just don't go to moon shadow and take too much in. Right. No, um, I had a quick question about, uh, I had a flashing thought about talking about Michigan was just that, what, what were some of Amy, when you first brought her back to Traverse City in that yeah. area in the old mission mm-hmm. and like just the grandeur of the bay? Right. Well, what, I thought you knew this, but like Amy grew up coming to Traverse City. No, oh, I, thought you I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think and now so you may have told me on When that. I met her yeah. out here in LA, she said, wait, you're from Traverse City? And I said, yeah. Because we were in this nonprofit together. Got it. Working on this on the board. And she goes, you're from Traverse City? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, not my Traverse City. That's what she said to me. And I said, slow your roll. Wait, what do you mean your Traverse City? That You cannot claim ownership over that. Yeah. that I grew up there. And she said, well, I grew up going there in the summertime uh, with my family. And I said, and, and again, it was in Omina, but still right next to Traverse yeah. City. And, and uh, shockingly enough, she has friends no that... Way. Are my friends what a small world, and that we never put the two and two together. Yeah. So my question, because I didn't know this story, and I apologize, but the the I thought you know like dropping Amy into Traverse City was yeah. like this. You know, you could make almost a movie about it, right. like just. But right. I was more thinking about the terrain of you know just the natural beauty and our yeah. blue water is like an ocean. Yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. you know so great in the yeah. beaches, but uh, it turns out she's a she's a <laughs> part time Michigander. Yeah. You know, it, it, well, her parents still live there. The full time, no way. So they they did the reverse. They they literally started in L.A. and then moved to Traverse City, which is who does that? Yeah. You know, they live in this tiny little town that is obviously it's Traverse City. It's colder than cold in the wintertime. Yeah, and they you know have such a big life there. Yeah, which is awesome to see because they're so social. They do a yeah. bunch of stuff and they figured it out. So good That's for them. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I, I just want to, for the audience, I just want to say, you and I, we met, I don't know, five, six years ago. We were doing a shoot, a, a couple, we did, worked a couple of years, to, two or three years together on a campaigns for a company. And so I was doing a lot of portraits of you for, for that stuff. And, and it was a blast. And we always just uh, kind of stayed in touch. And I've, uh, I've come up to Bonobo, your winery, and, and Old Mission, just to like chat. And I want to have some business questions about some video production stuff and how to pitch a show. And I mean, Dave, my buddy, Dave Dyer went out. He's been on the podcast too. That's oh, my great. comedian buddy. Uh, but uh, to just pitch it, but you've always been so kind and warm and just this, uh, a friend, you know, uh, and you don't always make yeah. that connection on a professional shoot. Sure. And, 
you were even in one of our Christmas cards one year because <laughs> right. we did the my yeah, family that was came. Dead. That was great. My family came awesome. in. My three daughters yeah. and my wife came in and happened to be right at the end of the shoot. And uh-huh. then our prop stylist had all these weird props. That was and so we were much just, fun. We were just goofing around, and uh-huh. then we made it our Christmas <laughs> card, <laughs> which is perfect <laughs> as you random, should. Just random. I mean, the profession you're in, you should do that all the time. I would think get a random celebrity to yeah. come into our. Uh, yeah, it was just so random. Totally. But it just worked out, and it was funny. But. Uh, but anyway, I've enjoyed that. And now with this podcast, just uh, being able to reconnect, I never thought I'd be in Malibu with you. I thought maybe it's so much easier to do it in Traverse City. But well, time out. I never thought I'd be in Malibu. Okay, so well, le- le- isn't that funny how that works? <laughs> you know, like we, Amy and myself, were just always like, wait, what? How did we end up here? Yeah. You know, because Malibu is the thing that Amy and I were both like, I don't really know if we're Malibu people. That's a little too pretentious. You think of Malibu, you think of like, you know. Yeah. The uh, most well, it's like the most Hollywood community outside of like you know maybe in the uh, in the hills or something you know. Yeah, I mean it's like the Hollywood Hills, and then you think of like oh Malibu, that's where like you know whatever, that's where like uh, Cindy Crawford hangs out, at, yeah. you know whatever, right, right. It's, uh, you know George Clooney, and mm-hmm. yeah they do, yeah, which is crazy, and um, and you see them too, which is the craziest thing because then yeah. you're just like, wait, what? Well, it is a small What's town, but they got, they try to act like normal people and do normal things, I guess. Yeah, and it's a small town, but you also realize, like I said before, like there's the existence of my neighbor up the hill. She's been there since '61. The yeah. guy down the hill has a farm, and he's been there. He was born and raised, and his parents passed away, and he's now raising his family there. So not everybody's an actor, yeah. but um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a fun place to live. <laughs> Well, what is it? It must, it has to be surreal because I thought if I, you know, if I try to project myself in your situation and you're a kid from Traverse City and you have an interest in in carpentry and, you mm-hmm. know, just being handy and all this stuff and then you end up doing some modeling and some other stuff and then you have the life that you have now and your family, beautiful family that you have and your daughter, Flora, is oh, so, so cute. Um and then to be on this this hilltop overlooking the yeah. Pacific Ocean and these other uh, incredible, beautiful homes and architecture, it's, it, I don't even know how you wrap your head around it sometimes. So we got lucky and we, you, you know, you always hear about like timing is everything. Okay. So like just going back, when I met Amy, if I would have met her years before, I was in a long term, she was in a long term relationship, that never would have worked out. If we would have met in Traverse City, I probably would have been an idiot and that wouldn't have worked out, you know, but when we met, we met at the right time. We yeah. were both out of our relationships, just newly out of our relationship. Yeah. So that was timing. This house, she never wanted to move out of our old house. And I was like, no, come Where on. Was can- that? That Where was that? That was up in Coldwater Canyon, okay. up in the, the, essentially like the Hollywood Hills. And, but that's a very big, you know, broad paintbrush of yeah. like, that's, that's a very big area. But, um, and so I was always like, there's something else, there's something else. And we weren't looking in Malibu, we were looking at Topanga. And, mm-hmm. and so it is kind of a funny story how we were able to get this house. Okay, so just to paint the picture a little bit, because people at home, like if you don't, <laughs> can't see this, yeah. right? It's a podcast. We got the luckiest lottery ticket ever. And the way we did that was we weren't looking in this area. I expanded Trulia or whatever those apps are a yeah. little bit more into Malibu after like six months of looking. And I said, well, let's just see what's up there. And then at that point, this house went on the market. It was in escrow for twice, and the people didn't know what to do with it. So, And they couldn't build any extra square footage because the city had a moratorium on this particular street. 
uh-huh. where there's 25 homes on the street. And they said, nobody can build any extra square footage for two years until we put this bigger mainline water pipe in. Uh-huh. So that's why it fell out of escrow. That's why no developers. Because when we got into this house, yeah. it was a dump. Yeah. It was so nasty. But you were rolling up your sleeves on that, I'm sure. A hundred percent. I was like, like I could do this. Yeah. I can I don't need to add any extra square footage. I'll I'll strip the whole thing down interior, yeah. put a new roof on it, exterior, but they just wouldn't let you. So somebody wanted to come here and and we were on about three acres and so somebody wanted to come here and just build a ten thousand, sixteen thousand square foot home. They weren't able to at that time. So that's why it fell out of escrow twice. So wow. again it was timing. So the day it went back on the market I came to see it, and I put an offer in right there. I didn't have the money to do it. I was just like, I'll buy this house. And they're like, really? Can you afford it? I was like, I'll figure it out, man. I'll just figure it out. And so I was, you know, just kind of yeah. shuffling paperwork around until I could figure out how to make it happen, and then and then we got it. And but how it, long ago was that when you... So it was about almost three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so... Well, and it had to be a hard time just because uh, the winery was newer then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, and you guys our keep, child. keep investing. We, in we, your we, baby. <laughs> our, child, our child was born the day before we closed on this house. No way. Yeah, so it was like All that. the stressors. All the stressors. Baby. Yeah. Winery going, yeah. you know. Yeah, just totally. Just work, career. Yeah, no, I mean, look, but we, I think we found our, yeah. like, we would like to say that this is our place that we'll be, you know, we'll have for our entire lives, but, you know, you never know in life, right? right? So so we don't know, but we, we're very happy where we're at. But again, yeah. I think that's just a life lesson. It is timing, you know, if you think you need something now and you don't get it, yeah. maybe you it wasn't the right time to get it. And maybe if you did get something, maybe it wasn't the right time to get that either. So yeah. you just never know. Um, but uh, Well, and in, I think there's some of that, uh, I'll take a little left turn here, is that uh, you have some, some Buddhist imagery and mm-hmm. things around. Is that something that you practice? Uh, yeah, well, and yeah I mean, so I grew up going to a Catholic school uh, yeah. in Traverse City. Mom was a superintendent, yeah. uh, just crazy, um, and which was by the way, it was awful. But um, <laughs> um, but the school was great. I love the school, um, you know. But Amy and I, are, I we say we're more spiritual. Yeah, um, uh, we we you know we believe in a higher power, yeah. but uh, it may just not be you know following the the rules and constraints of you know the traditional. Well. Uh, Yesterday I had uh, a guest was uh, Rob Bell on the podcast, and he's, I don't know if you know him, Mm -hmm. but he's a pastor and was on Mm -hmm. Oprah and all this other Mm -hmm. stuff. But he's evolved away from this, you know, this more of a traditional evangelical bent to all kinds of things. Yeah. And it's all about a journey being, a lot of the same journeys end up at the at the same destination, you know, it's about the search. I totally believe that. Absolutely. I believe that. I mean, I've had, you know, my priests growing up in school were some of the best, you know, look, I mean, a lot of priests today get bad raps, right. But like we had some of the best. Deservedly so. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But like, you know, uh, um, I'd say the best with, you know, a, a meaning priest who would say like, just, you know, keep, would help me to keep an open mind. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I also think, you know, moving out of, you know, which was Traverse City, which is, you know, pretty conservative space and yeah. Michigan in general. But like, you know, I think that was that was also, you know, helpful to like sort of open my mind to what was happening in other cultures or other existence yeah. or other cities. And I think if you need to travel as much as you do, mm-hmm. you just see because you encounter maybe that those areas have their particular way or more types of mm-hmm. a particular type of 
person or religious, predominantly religious one way. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of ways to get roll a rock up a hill. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it, and I think when we're the more that we're siloed in our thinking and don't have enough collisions with people, yeah, the more fearful we are of almost everything you know yeah because you do see that a lot in obviously religion where a lot of people will put up the barriers to say okay well my family is going to exist in this you know barrier yeah and that's how we're going to live and these are the people we're going to hang out with and these are the people we're going to talk to and the kids are going to grow up like this and look i mean it's fine and who knows like i'm not the person to say that that's wrong but sometimes it doesn't breed for more open conversation yeah. No, it's just that's where a lot of the problems we're having mm-hmm. as a country, I think, too, is just uh, there's just not enough listening. Right. People just assume who you are is something that they don't want to accept right? on any level. It yeah. doesn't matter. It could be all a million different ways to yeah. say I, you shouldn't, uh, I don't agree with your behavior or your yeah. beliefs or yeah. your economics or your politics yeah. or whatever, but it just seems now to just be. I think it's so a very horrible. good point. It's about, it is it, listening is a very valuable asset yeah. to have. You know, it's something that we don't have enough of, especially now in this country and man, but when people do, you know, it opens things up. Like, did you see the thing with like George Bush and Ellen DeGeneres sitting yeah. together at the football game? <laughs> I mean, the, optics of that are just like it opens conversation up you know and it's just it was for whatever reason you know i know some people didn't like it and some people thought it was great and whatever but like it i thought it was cool i just thought it was like wow the fact that those two can sit there who knew you know no i know and then also the way i think that the way she she talked about because she was you know there was a lot of bombs being thrown about it and Mm -hmm. things but um it really is that basic. If you could just roll it back like she did, and I'm not saying that there's a lot of... It's a complicated thing to talk about, like, mm-hmm. oh, this president and the way that war started and yeah. all this other stuff that we don't... It, it's history now, but mm-hmm. still. But the, she just rolled... Ellen. What I liked the most about Ellen mm-hmm. and whether people agreed with her statement or not. She just rolled it back to being nice, yeah, be kind. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only thing I've ever told my kids. Right. We have little pieces of artwork in our house that are by this folk artist, Reb uh, Roberts from Grand Rapids. And uh, it's just, it's be kind. Yeah. And like it shows a cow with a bird ri- riding on its back. Uh-huh. You know, be nice. Yeah. And that's, that's what it's you want. So simple. So simple. So but simple. Anyway. Well, I want to talk to you about just the, um, the arc of your, um, more recently, like post HGTV, because mm-hmm. you've really not put all your stock and energy into trying mm-hmm. to be on camera and, and yeah. have this. So this entrepreneur and mindset that follows your um, your media career mm-hmm. and things that you're developing, but also that spills into this winery and aggressive, you know, that the, the where you guys have come... Mm-hmm in a short period of time is pretty remarkable mm-hmm. at the winery. Mm-hmm. But where is this entrepreneurial kind of drive that you had outside of just going, oh, I'm going to be a TV personality? Right. You know, where did that shift or has it always been part of you? But in boredom. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, not boredom. I should say that because like, you know, a lot of my colleagues who are designers, you know, they're so, you know, they're anal about so much detail and 
I'm just like, gosh, you're so good. You know, <laughs> but I'm like, cause I'm like, I'm off to something else. And, and look, I love doing what I do and working on TV, but I, and I'm fortunate enough to still work on TV, which is crazy because I've been doing it now for like, you know, 17 years, 18, 17 years. And, um, and that's a long time, especially for a guy who's again, just was a builder in Michigan, you know, yeah. and that, and with that, I kind of knew I wanted to get into other things and that helped afford, you know, my, my, my sort of like my wants and desires. And at the time I was young and dumb enough to think that I could start a winery, which I don't know that I would do that today because I'd be like, that's a big stressor. Though I do have two other projects that are pretty big that I'm just like, <laughs> that I'm, that are in the works. But, um, but, uh, you know, the, it, I, I look, I got into the, in the wine world because I knew Traverse City, Michigan, which again, sounds crazy for the winos that are listening, but like, I knew that that ceiling, nobody knew what the ceiling, nobody knew where that stops. Yeah. And when I would talk to investors out here in Southern California, they would say, why you want to get into wine, waste all your money, which is usually what happens. Mm-hmm. Plus it's so expensive in like central coast or Northern California. Yeah. And I said, Michigan. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, yeah. that they were just like, that's the worst idea ever. But I said, look, you can get in and it's a great fruit bearing region. Still the largest exporter of cherries in the U S and, a lot of people are switching cherries to vineyards and, and, um, and I saw some of my friends doing it and I felt like, okay, if they can figure it out, I could figure it out. You know, it's, you know, in businesses, I think it's just connecting the dots, right? Yeah. So if you can run, if you can steer the ship and connect the dots of people to help you along the way, you know, that's how I've always felt like with all my businesses are yeah. people that I know when, when I started uh, my production company, I felt like I'm not the smartest person to edit right? right but i know that i can and i know that this guy over here is probably much better than me so yeah. maybe i should get this guy over here to help sure. me out and maybe he wants to figure out a deal so so i just felt like you know i don't i'm not trying to make the most amount of money out of everybody in the room i'm just trying to do stuff that's fun with everybody in the room right and be yeah. successful along the yeah. way obviously yeah. to be sustainable Talk about early on with the winery, because I shot a story for a magazine up in that region, and it was all about the Leelanau Peninsula and Old Mission Peninsula mm-hmm. and Mobby and all those people. And this was probably 12 years ago. Okay. It was a long time ago. Yeah. And it was, and um, Madonna's dad, what's, uh, what's, yeah, uh, Ciccone. Ciccone. Yeah. Like he was, a, they, there was a meeting of all these wine, vinters and yeah. winemakers, and uh, they were all talking about how collaborative they were about that region that they wanted everyone to make good wine. Yeah. It wasn't, and I'm wondering if it's still like that. It's not like that anymore. It's a little <laughs> more cutthroat. Oh, man. Uh-uh. Not my, no more Michigan nice, huh? No, that's another thing. I was like, when I got into it, look, there's a lot of great wineries up there making fantastic wine. But I, I also, when I got into it, I was like, look, I know I'm the new guy and I'm dumb enough to go come into thinking that we can all work together, but can we all work together? Right. How do, and I tried to start a co-op, <sighs> fell flat. Yeah. And that was kind of depressing because I really wanted for a lot of, I, I, I felt like a lot of us, if we work together, we can all be successful. Yeah. And by the way, there's a lot of successful wineries up there and they do a great job and an amazing job. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think... It's, it's, to me, it's, I guess, I don't know what it is. It's maybe it's a doggy well, dog world, but then, then was, and maybe it, it was became, maybe it came to fruition now and maybe money's at a point where the, it's grown, but they were saying, if you can make this a good wine region, mm-hmm. it's better for everybody because everyone will come. 
to experience, explore the wine right. and make it a destination yeah. on top of well, it. Well, it's just become being, that. You yeah, know, they've it done has. it. You know, they've done the the people before me. They've done a fantastic job on that front. Um, you know, I think it can go bigger, quicker, mm-hmm. and um, that's why I kind of wanted to start a co-op so people could distribute and onto the West Coast, mm-hmm. uh, the East Coast, uh, collectively. So we, you know, the licensing and bond and fees and stuff like that, we can work together because a lot of wineries are like ours that are boutique wineries that we yeah. only create 5,000 cases. We're not like some of the bigger boys that create two, you know, 100,000 cases. You know, we're, we're relatively small. So that gets expensive to ship out to oh, some yeah. of the restaurants to here. Yeah, it turns uh, out wine weighs a lot. Yeah, it weighs so a lot. It's expensive. Where do you yeah. store it? Who yeah. keeps it for you? And so, um, and who distributes it for you? So that, that was kind of the most challenging. And I think on one hand, I could name the wineries that play nice in the sandbox. Really? Yeah. And not to say the other ones are bad. I'm just saying like, I've just, I've not personally had a, you know, a wonderful experience with some other wineries Mm -hmm. that have been, look, the region's fantastic. I'm the biggest promoter of it. Um, because we just don't know how far we can take it. And we're just learning. We're so new and so young and that's really fun. And there's, wineries up there that have really, you know, helped us along the way in a big way, you know, yeah. first off, just by starting it right. in general and, um, at O'Keefe, Moby, you know, these guys yeah. were like the pioneers yeah. and, um, and, uh, but you know, I, 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 again, to your point, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are just content with doing what they're doing and I guess that's fine. It's, you know, everybody mm-hmm. has a different, Sure. Play on how they want to run. And, and so my brother and I, when we started ours, we just said, all right, let's not sacrifice the quality. So whatever we have to do just to continually keep the quality high. Mm-hmm. And that does, you know, that pulls at the you know pocketbook, that pulls on the yeah. uh, maybe different winemakers coming in and out, uh, staff, employees. Mm-hmm. And that's been challenging. Um, we finally think we have it figured out at this point. We have a one of the best winemakers in the region yeah. um, that has been there for 22 years. And um, we have a great team of employees that just work their hearts out. Yeah. And we created our space called Bonobo Winery, which is a social species because we want people to come and enjoy the wine and the food and hang out for a while. It is. And just your physical property is spectacular yeah. too. Like just sit on that deck and look off uh, across the fields to the bay mm-hmm. And uh, the vantage point that you have and the architecture and the interior of your tasting room mm-hmm. is a very inviting, beautiful space. Yeah. I, well, thank you. I felt like we had to make it top notch. We had to create a space that wasn't um, traditional in the sense of like getting people in and out for a tasting. We had to create it like a family room yeah. that you could have a social, you could have a separate but shared spaces. Yeah. So you have these nooks where you can go with the group. But at the same time, you can meet another group there mm-hmm. and you may find a new friend that's there, whatever, you know. And we just said we didn't want to be a bar. We don't want to be a restaurant, but we want to be a space where I, I always felt that I could take my wife for like, you know, a light dinner and yeah. a bottle of wine and watch the sunset. Yeah. And let's create that. Well, it's that 100 percent. You know, I mean, it's 100 times over that for sure. And I think even the, what I see on social and people tagging it up because yeah. I follow it is uh-huh. it's all that happening. Yeah. It's it's the it's the the bridal part, bachelorette yeah. parties oh, and so it's many. A, so many. 
But you're very hands-on. When mm-hmm. my Dave and I, Dave Dyer and I came up to talk to you, we had some we were asking you some advice about getting some things um, some ideas or how we might approach some production ideas mm-hmm. about a particular idea that we had for a show. And uh, but we arrive you know, on time, but you're down like building a retaining wall and right. with a with a backhoe, right. and you know, right. it's like a, yeah, that's right. I it's like let me come, <laughs> let me yeah. come in, uh-huh. let me come in from the fields, and I'll talk to you. <laughs> yeah. And you had, yeah, you had uh, a yeah. tractor, and uh, oh, you gosh. were worrying with uh, railroad ties or something. So, like that. No, <laughs> it was black locusts I was using. Black locusts were this. They looked like say, railroad it ties. It looked a lot like black locusts because yeah. I, mean, uh, yeah. I don't know any. No, I remember time. I, the the clock was running because I was renting renting that. Uh, that excavator and I was like, Oh gosh, I can only talk for a little bit. I have like a good 20 more hours yet. Um, but yeah. yeah, but anyway, but that's, yeah, you're rolling up your sleeves in these businesses, mm-hmm. whether it's the house here in Malibu, you're going to, you know, you can, at least you can deploy that talent that you enjoy that you yeah. do at a level that, that most people can't learn. Mm-hmm. You're professional in that mm-hmm. way. Just have TV right. sort of, that seemed to merge with this thing. Yeah. You were doing it professionally and now you can do some things with, the winery and do um, some ideas and also d- from the design standpoint yeah. to be able to visualize what you want mm-hmm. because you've been around design mm-hmm. and architecture and yeah. interior design so much that you have such a, a wide vernacular of things that you enjoy. Yeah. So it's got to be fun. But yeah, I, what I've, the little that we've interacted, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, shit, Carter is, uh, the dude's working his butt off. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny you say that. I appreciate that. I, I feel like I definitely, you know, I, my dad is a workaholic, still is. He's, you know, 76, and he still is nonstop working every day. Old farmer mentality. So when we were little kids, you know, my, this is the truth. And I'm not, like, trying to, you know, have a pity party here. But my first job was when I was, um, it was either 10 or 11, that I had at this place where I made 60 cents an hour because I didn't want to work at, my, at the house for my dad, where he would give me two bucks an hour because I hated doing the work there. Mm-hmm. So I would, I got this job at this place called um, Deering's Meat Market, and I would sort bottles for ten cents down in the basement, which is the worst. Which job. is the worst job ever? Oh, oh it's so gross, those, so nasty. I hate the returnables. Oh, it's the, uh, the worst job. Separating. I couldn't wait them. until Maddie, my middle daughter, could drive and uh, and take and them back. I was like, hey, yeah. uh, and you can have all the yeah, money. Totally. Yeah, you, know? you just want to get them out of your Keep house. Ten yeah, bucks. Yeah. Just get it out of the yeah. garage, please. So uh, that was the first job, and then uh, when I was twelve, I had a job at the Bean Pot, and. And then right after that is when I started working in construction, just like around it and stuff. So, so it was really just to get out of the house. But to your point, um, I like staying busy. And I do find, because look, so I started a couple different companies, working on TV. I still have a nonprofit that we do. You yeah. know, we do like 10 playgrounds a year. And um, I know when I'm not building stuff, I get cranky and ornery and my wife could probably tell you like a test that that i just like i bought here i not bought i somebody gave me it because it was worth nothing it was like a 1960s shasta trailer and i got that because i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do with it but i know that can really keep me busy with just my hands on and it'll probably be a great playhouse for my daughter but like yeah you know it's it i'm gonna figure out what to do with it because i just know when i'm I'm doing too much paperwork or computer work. Yeah. I'm just not good at that. And and well, it's the, who wants to spend your time doing that? The worst part of my 
day usually or my week is when I'm trying to invoice stuff out or I'm right. trying to prep quotes and estimates. But for yeah, people. but that's how you make money. Exactly. Right? You can't so avoid we all make it. Money. You can't right. can't avoid it. But yeah. at the same time, that's that's not why I do what I do. No. So I can just like sit no. down and like figure out a proposal yeah. or answer to an RFP is right. not my favorite thing. Yeah. But I, without doing that, yeah. there's no next step. Yeah. And you don't get to do the cool project until right. something's done. But well, we're very but, similar in that sense. You know, it's that creative outlet that you have that you no, have. I, yeah, it's your expression, but yeah. I think it's through your it is art because you're building something. Mm-hmm. It's not much different than sculpture or anything else. Mm-hmm. You're still shaping and honing and mm-hmm. you're looking at color and form yeah. and line and you're yeah. picking materials for a particular pattern and right. it is very artistic, expressive yeah. uh medium. Yeah. And but I also think like there's other parallels I think in our industry not that I but it's kind of like the thing is about photography and what I've been doing is that and I think it, there's a parallel to what you do mm-hmm. is that you no one is going to give you a show mm-hmm. until you've had a show. Yeah. Like it's chicken or egg right. thing. Yeah. And in my industry that's like you don't really get to shoot high profile people. Yeah. Until you've shot how high profile people, so right, right. It's so like, where does what, that come where's from? That, where's that first yeah. crack in the opening? Yeah, and um, and it was for. I, I'd like to know when your first sort of like was it a modeling gig? Yeah, where you were like getting around it. Uh, so I don't like to say it was modeling because that sounds kind of cheesy. I like to say I was sailing. You were, oh yeah, yeah. I was sailing a boat. So that was with. Uh, it just so happened to be. It wasn't there. with Nautica. I, though I did do that later, and that was a big, massive campaign where I was. And it was huge. I remember seeing that huge. now, and I had no yeah. connection. Uh, I didn't know it, who. I, I just saw a guy yeah. in an ad, and I was yeah. like, "That's incredible." It, it, okay, so a really quick story on that Nautica. We were sailing in Brazil for that ad. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go to Brazil. Wait, what do I have to do? And they're like, well, you have to sail their... their Just hold this wheel. <laughs> basically. <laughs> no, we were like four hours offshore. The boat that had all the suits on it caught on fire, which was a powerboat, which was next to us, which carried all like the gear, some camera By gear suits, and stuff. you mean like executives, executives and creative yes. teams. Yes, yeah. and the people that have to yeah. be there as well. In your but wardrobe. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so their boat caught on fire. They had to turn around and go back. And we were in these like 15, 20-foot swells that we were just going up and down. And they wanted blue skies, gorgeous ocean, you know, just a sailor just out on his boat, you know, in the middle of the Pacific. And they got, I mean, clearly that's not what they had. I mean, they literally had me, like, just so, kind of like, so I was, I was, I was scared, but at the same time, like I had enough, right. you know, I had enough. Uh, well, you did have a certain intensity because it was look, because scary. you were probably like, I it don't want to get really tossed scary. off this boat right now. I thought I mast come mast boom come over and knock you out. Okay, so there's two times in my life I thought I was I was in for it, and that was one of them. And I was like, you know what? If this is where I go, this is okay <laughs> because, like, you know, in in Brazil, there's not like a there wasn't like a coast guard that is yeah. probably readily available like yeah. we have in the You're US. Yeah, fly and, you in, or you know, right. like hoist you up. Out no, of there. and we were on the middle. Of You're nowhere. like, I'm the talent. Yeah, totally. I go first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, there wasn't any of that. So you're you're kind of just like, all right, well, if this does happen, you know, then let's let's at least have fun with it and enjoy it. So, um, yeah, but no. So so to so, back up a step, growing up uh, right on the water in Traverse City, we sailed a lot with an old cruddy old boat that 
uh, we had to bail out the water and yeah, all this stuff. You sure. know, my dad picked up probably for like 200 bucks. Yeah. And, um, and then that's how we learned how to sail. And then he ended up getting one of those Hobie cats. And, yeah. you know, that's, we, you flip those over all the time. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, so we sailed on that when we were growing up. And, um, so when I came out to LA, um, but that, because that, are you saying that, uh, I just want to tie it back to that early, you know, what is the daylight in the door opening? Yeah. And that was such a huge campaign. Yeah. And there was something about that imagery. Do you remember who shot that? I'm just so curious about it. Do you I remember? I don't Some can't hack. remember his should've, names. Just say it should have been Brian. It should have been you. It totally should have been. Um, what year was that? Do you remember what year? That was, well, it was, yeah, it was 2005 because I bought my house in 2006 because of that. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, that was just like, that was when back in the day when those campaigns were oh, massive. Well, especially like global, and that was a global brand. Well, yeah. I mean, and, and so that was though, a, that usage goes crazy. Yeah. It was a year long campaign, which got rolled over into another year, which got rolled over into a third year. So that was just a, a fantastic campaign. The th- problem was when we tried to shoot it again, we tried to shoot it at Long Beach. <laughs> and it wasn't the same. Not the it, same. No, it didn't work out. Because you had like a cargo freighters and stuff yeah, in the background. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much where. You know, that's where a big... Well, put dough in your pocket. Yeah. And then also I mean, give I, you visibility where you can get other high-profile campaigns. Yeah. And then... But that was when, the biggest campaign that I ever had. And yeah. that, like, those... I Look, unless you're a really big-time celebrity, those are... Those are... Those don't exist nearly as much as they did. Well, and print was more important. Yeah. Outdoor billboard was more important. Now, it's yeah. not like I'm getting 20 ads a, an hour on Correct. my phone. Right. Um, the landscape's completely changed in terms yeah. of how the advertising industry uh, creates and funds those campaigns because uh, everything got shooken out yeah. uh, when everything went digital. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but then when did it become, when, when was the transition? Oh, I, the other thing I want to ask you, what was the second thing that you almost thought you bought it? What was the other incident <laughs> where you almost died? I don't know if I can talk about it on All right, show. never mind. We're moving on. <laughs> yeah. It probably involved something fun. Yeah, it was very okay. fun. Yeah, All right, it was good. a lot of fun, but it was really stupid, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so when did then the... the So you've worked these... Uh, camp, you know, you're mm-hmm. working, successful model, you have that. When did the, the carpentry and the building skills mm-hmm. merge with television? Well, so that was, you know, so that was something that... I started at a really young age. My brothers were both, uh, one is still a carpenter or still a builder. And, um, and then, so that was kind of something that I did for, to supplement, to get some, to pay my way through college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I kind of always felt like I had, my dad was very good in, 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 instilling in us, like you'll, you can figure it out. And <laughs> the way he did it was when I was, I'm just going to, go on to a little story here but when I was again probably 12 years old and I remember it was cold in Michigan and it was freezing outside and I was in the garage with no heat in the car and he's like hey go change the brakes in the car and I was like dad change the brakes in the car like your car and he's like yeah you've watched me enough like go do it by the way I don't even know how why we were changing our brakes in our car because every time I tell this story I'm like I don't know it doesn't make sense because I've never changed my brakes in this car that I have now (laughs) but we were still doing it we I was 12 and I couldn't get these calipers off the, after I took the wheel off. I couldn't get these calipers to take the brake pads off. And I said, Dad, my hands are freezing. You know, I'm like 12, and I can't believe you're making me do this. You know, I was back inside. It was like 9 o'clock on a school night. 
dark out, pitch black wow. as Michigan is, you know? Yeah, and it, was, um, it got dark about 3.30 totally, that day. Totally, And so I'm sitting there, and I am in his office. I'm like, Dad, I can't do it. And he goes, I bet you if I was to put a million dollars in front of you right now, you could probably figure out how to do it. So, of course, I go back inside, and, well, what happens? I figure out how to do it. And, and you're like, where's the money? Well, the money Dude. never showed up. Nah, but but if you think about it, I mean, in a roundabout way, he was really good by instilling that. Like, you, you can figure a lot yeah, of stuff out Yeah, it's like, what's the barrier? So what's the hurdle? Yeah. Is it the cold? <clears throat> is it the knowledge? Or is it just another, uh, another little shift in your thinking yeah. about how to accomplish whatever that is in front of you? Dude, I think, like, so many people today and just, you know, like, I, I don't know, like trying to be preachy, but I do think that, you know, listening is something that is like a lost art. Right. Yeah. And I do think that people being able to just say, you know, suck it up. I'll figure it out how to do it. And, and a lot of people just don't do that as much anymore. And, and, you know, uh, I guess that's okay. Cause there's a lot of DIY shows that, you know, right. tell people how to do it now, but, yeah. but, um, you know, and, and anyway, that's that's uh, that was kind of the thing that brought me when I got into TV of uh, being like, oh, well, I guess, you know, my first job out here was I worked for a show called Project Greenlight. Yeah, that was with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And that was an HBO show that my wife worked on, coincidentally, but she worked on the second season and I worked on the first one. Ah, but she was she was an actress. Yeah, right. So right. I and I was just like the little, you know, the guy running around and I said I could grip and I didn't know how to put a keno kit together. Oh, so you for, weren't, you were behind, you were, you were not in No, in no, I was, like, I was the guy who was, the, you were a PA gaffer or whatever, that yeah. whatever role playing I ended guy. up being a tape librarian to, I ended up assistant editing, um, wow. in the post-production, but that, I learned a lot from that. I yeah. learned a lot from that show and that was, the, it was, and, and that's. Well, well, to see the back of the house and yeah. how it's actually like put together. Yeah. It's one thing to be on the camera side or wardrobe side, but when you're like seeing how the sausage <clears throat> is made after the shoot mm -hmm. is done and Matt and it goes home yeah. and, and then just to follow it through like the next two or three months before it like is a yeah. thing and it's right. like, here you go. Yeah. But that's what you've been doing now for 15 additional years yeah. on the production side, owning sure. shows, yeah. overseeing your episode content and all yeah. of that. Well, to, to make it the story even more, like just to give a little bit more context on that, when I moved out here, I moved out here after I graduated from Central Michigan. Mm -hmm. I moved out here with a buddy who graduated from Michigan State that I grew up with in Traverse City. We both, I said, hey, I'm going out to California if anybody wants to go with me. And he's like, yeah, I'll go with you. So we both come out to L.A., I try to get a job for a big, um, it was a big time producer at the time, and I couldn't get the job. Somebody leads me on to this other person who's with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and their company, and they say, hey, the, go, go put your resume in. Of course, I don't have a resume. Right? Yeah, I don't right. have anything at the time. Just well, graduated well, college. Here. Yeah. I showed up on time. Right, exactly. I don't get the job. They, so, of course, you know, months go by. I'm looking for a job. I I'm fresh off the boat, me and my buddy. We're mm -hmm. like college dudes from, like, the 90s who are like, you know, just what do you do? You go to the bar, you hang out, right. you, you know, you're looking for girls. I mean, yeah. that's like what you do. And you, try, you hope you get a job. Yeah. You do. Well, finally, one day, about two months later, that same person I went in for, they said, hey, are you have a job yet? And I said, no. And they said, well, we're moving offices. Do you want to help us just move boxes? Literally and, with a college degree, 
That's you're, that, that you're, my, you're like two men in a truck. Just yeah. like I, we just need somebody who could lift 70 pounds over and over. Totally. Again. And I'm thinking like in my head, I'm like hearing my dad in the back of my head, which yeah. is like, you better not, not do this. Right. I, you know, I probably had a hangover at the time because I was just like, well, yeah, that's man. all you do. That right? was related like, to your other story. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then I took it. And then I took that, that job, which existed for three days. And then Chris Moore came in and he threw a script. And he, at the time he was the EP and he threw a script to me and he said, hey, read this and write a synopsis on it. And I was like, well, okay. And then lo and behold, I had this job for, you know, the next two years of my life. Reading scripts? Well, no, or that was a... with Project Green. Like, oh, got it, got it, it was got it, the yeah. evolution sure, of like... Sure. That's the, how you got in. That's how I got in yeah. the door. And so... You know, if I hadn't, I never yeah. would have gotten the door. And um, it, it was just a, a, a very unique way to get in. But like six months into it, we had to hire somebody else. And they're like, oh, go look through like the resume book. And I look at my resume and I look on it. And it's from my first time that I met with them when I didn't get the job. And they had marked on my resume. It said, um, he's really big and he could probably help us when we have to move offices in two months. That was the old, that was like, that was the note. That was the note. <laughs> How much of an idiot did I feel like? I'm like, you only got that out of my resume? Oh my gosh. I felt like such an idiot. I was mad at them. I was mad at yeah. myself. And I was like, well, I don't even know if I should be here anymore. <laughs> but the, you know, lucky enough that I did take that job because that's really, because from that spawned obviously my love for behind the camera. Yeah. But at the same time, and I never thought I'd really be in front of the camera. But a tape librarian, at the, no, I'm sorry, uh, 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 a logger yeah. was like, hey, there's this show. You're always fixing stuff around the office. There's a show called Trade by Spaces a, looking for sorry, a Sorry, by logger, do you mean like a scripty? Or is it different after? Um, a logger's, I mean, now we just have so much software that can actually yeah. do it for us. But, you know, back in the day, they would have people transcribe everything that was said sure, from every tape. And so... Uh, so Sorry, I didn't mean to get into the production yeah, yeah, yeah. Means, but no, I know just enough to be dangerous yeah, about yeah. stuff. So no, yeah. and and so that logger was like, hey, the, you know, I fixing stuff. There's a show. It's called Trading Spaces. Um, yeah, they need a carpenter. Yeah, and at the time, the show had been on like maybe a year, and so uh, so they, you know, again, so it's all just dumb luck. And, but it's all taking those small. If yeah. My takeaway from hearing your story is is also, you know, it, it is that quintessential old story, that modality that works is mm -hmm. like you try to find ways to, to say yes to opportunities, which lead to other opportunities, which really the relationships, mm -hmm. which also come back full circle, which mm -hmm. gets us back to our yeah. Buddhist sort of energy about yeah. like just being nice in the world yeah. too is another right. thing. It's just like, there's so many ways yeah. that it just weaves and meanders. Yeah. And, if you had said no or screw these people who, mm -hmm. who just want me to move boxes, yeah. I, I'm not an idiot. I, I have a college degree. Right. You know, I just, right. yeah. <laughs> it's not what I, I didn't come out here for. to move boxes, yeah, but, but I did. But it's a, that kind of hustle industry, though. I mean, no one's going to make it out here if you don't hustle and have yeah. that, that persistence and drive and be able to. I mean, well, just, it's like the technical part is really, really good. Okay, so don't get me wrong. Like, to have the technical part of the capability of if you're going to school for a certain, sure. um, you know, uh, whatever, that, whatever that is, having that and the hustle is great. Because that's, you know, that when we started our production company, we kind of felt like this is my partner and I, we kind of felt like this is how we got started. 
the people we want to hire are people who are going to do what we did yeah. when we were that age, meaning like you don't know how to edit, okay, go hang out in the edit bay for, you know, right. your off hours. If you don't know how to shoot, you know, go figure, you know, go mm-hmm. grab a little camera and figure it out yourself. And and those those people who hustled were the people that we wanted around us. And, yeah. and I also think that's what, you know, made that company, you know, fairly successful. Well, there's a even if they're inexperienced, but if people are ambitious, there's yeah. there's definitely like a synergy and um, sort of communal sort of thing. I that's why I work with Mark a lot. Yeah. You know, it's because he's got bigger ambitions than just working with me. Yeah, but he's also able to do so many different things because yeah. we keep the productions tight and small. Right. We blow them up when we need to. Right. right. But at the same time, he's very. Like, I also want to surround myself with people who are talented. Yeah. That make me look good. So yeah. I don't have to do anything. That don't yeah. mean physically good, but our productions go well. Right. Yeah. Because uh, you know, you're not gonna you're not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look good, you know. <laughs> but the point is, um but there's that whole thing. But it, I, especially in Hollywood, maybe it's a stereotype, but it really doesn't matter. I don't think the industry it applies to any industry. You can be talented, but if you don't have the drive, mm-hmm. You can have a lot of drive and overcome some talent deficits yeah. for sure. That's yeah. a, that's another story that happens a lot, but totally. And it happens in photography. It happens in video production. It's just it's getting enough and getting in that ten. You know, the other cliche today is, mm-hmm. uh, is but it's real. Is ten thousand hours and having you know. I mean, when you were first building something, you weren't very good. But by the no. but when by the time you built your five hundred thing, you were really good at it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that just goes with repetition on just about anything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're capable, uh, you know, because you have it in, in, you know, the back of your mind because you've done it before. Yeah. And that obviously helps out tremendously. But, you know, look, I mean, at the end of the day, Hollywood's also a finicky world, you know? So it isn't you kinda, a fair place. You know, yeah. I mean, it isn't. There's people that deserve all the success that they... Yeah. More success, and they're not. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's the craziest world you've ever seen, you know, because one minute you're like, where am I going to get my next paycheck from? And to like, okay, this is cool. And you end up hanging out at a party with like, whatever, yeah. you know, with like, I, I mean, with like Julie Roberts and you're just like, yeah. how did this happen? Right. When are they going to find out that I'm not supposed That's to be That's the here? strangest thing about <laughs> it. And then even, uh, yeah, that's, um. That sort of surrealness where you see people sort of uh, literally come to life and walk mm-hmm. out of into your world for even five minutes. Yeah. That's what I love about photography, too, is yeah. having some some interactions. Yeah. And being in Grand Rapids, I don't get as many opportunities uh-huh. as, as if maybe I had lived out here and right. I still had the same portfolio. I'm sure I'd be all jaded about it and right. be complaining about shooting Julia Roberts or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, oh, her oh, again. Oh, yeah, no. great, yeah. But... Uh, but I am fascinated as in that Midwestern Michigan thing about, yeah. and, and even here, it's every time I've ever come out to LA, I'm always at the, I'm at Ralph's mm-hmm. and I'm like, I wonder, I mean, my head's kind of on a swivel to yeah. see, do I recognize that person? Yeah. It's just such a dumb little thing, but it's kind of fun. So uh, two, like two parts of that, I still do that. Yeah. And it happens all the time. Like you still see people all the time and you're like, what? That's yeah. so and so. That's kid and play. You know, you're just like, what? No way. You know, um, or, but I, people from the Midwest recognize people from the Midwest. And that's really fun to see out here in LA because people are like, they get really geeked when they meet somebody, especially from Michigan. Yeah. When you meet somebody from Michigan out in LA, which there's a ton of us out here, yeah. you're, you're just like, 
oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, we can hang out. Tomorrow, to watch football, I have, I have two people from Michigan coming over and two people from Ohio coming over. No way. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, it's like New York City in that way. I think L.A. is like that where a lot of people aren't from here right. because they're pursuing their, yeah. their yeah. dream, and New York's like that, too. There aren't very few people that mm. are lifelong Manhattaners. No. When you it, meet them, that's a unicorn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah, really totally. is. I remember one woman in the industry I met, and she's like, yep. She's like all tough New Yorker, yeah. and she's like, "Yeah, I'm born and raised here." And, you know, everyone says they're from New York. You're not from New York, right? You know, right. And all that stuff. And, okay. But LA's like that. But I also think there's people are here. They are, as you said, kind of off the boat of like their mm-hmm. journey to here, whatever they're trying to do here right. in production. We have a lot of friends in the last six, eight years have moved out here. Mm-hmm. Be it writers. Uh, camera assistants, mm-hmm. uh, cinematographers, like, it, you know, there's a lot of people, very talented people in West Michigan that have left and come yeah. out here and are, are becoming successful. Yeah. And it's really cool to see. Yeah, it's great. And, uh, but there is something about the Midwestern uh, vibe, vibe yeah. and everything. So I really appreciate it. We've been going an hour. I want to be conscious of your time and our sun oh, is starting is to set. Fun. I've had such a blast being here. And which is also crazy is that that smoke is starting to come back in. I see that. You know, and um, I'm but, hopeful that uh, they get a they get a hold of this one. Hopefully, the rain earlier this year hasn't kept it as uh, dry as it could be. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, huh. pe- people at home you can't see, but it's like super smoky back out to the east, and then it's beautiful. Up. Beautiful the ocean. I'm looking the at ocean. Cat- Catalina Island and Santa Monica. Yeah, and it's here. gorgeous out there. Uh, what you know. What's the website for Bonobo? So uh, bonobowinery.com, and you can order online. Uh, again, we're a boutique winery. We specialize in our, I mean, in a lot of different things, but our Rieslings, our Chardonnay, our Rosé, yeah. we now what have really been popular. What's your, uh, the, that champion, wasn't a Rosé that got a lot of attention? Rosé got number three in the U.S. at the yeah. San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah. And, um, and the Riesling got number one at the Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, so the Riesling has done really well. And the Riesling you can actually find out here in a couple of restaurants out here. Awesome. Um, and then, um, yeah, so that's like, uh, that's, the, that's the biggie. And then what's coming up? Uh, can you share a couple of things that you might have coming up? Either in production or something we might see. And then you yeah. were describing, if you can, there was a production that Amy was shooting that just yeah. wrapped. And tell us a little bit about so, that. So uh, for me, I still sh- uh, we're still shooting The uh, the Great Christmas Light Fight, which oh, is yeah. on ABC. And we're in our eighth season of that. Yeah. So we start shooting here in a couple of weeks. And then... Um, How do you start shooting now? Oh, do they, they just start decorating early? Yeah. Well, of- yeah, but a lot of them do. Because okay. like last year, the one that won had like 4 million lights. You know, so yeah. not that everybody takes has a while. that. It takes a while to put them up. <laughs> so they just, you know, they'll start like maybe... small crew. ...in August instead yeah, of yeah. September. So um, because they know we're going to show up. So uh, so we start shooting that. And then we have a couple of new uh, home home shows, home improvement type shows that we're working on that are all in various stages of production. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you're out here, you're just constantly pitching shows. Yeah. And a lot of them fall through the cracks and nothing happens, but um, some of them... Here's a small up. little deviation. It's because when I started the podcast, mm-hmm. I thought, and it's even on the website at the fullexposure.com website, or fullexposurepodcast.com. Make sure you put in podcast. <laughs> fullexposurepodcast.com. It says, you know, one of the questions in the about things, does the world need another podcast? And right. the answer is no. Uh-huh. But then I was thinking, when I was thinking about you, it's like no one's stopping making TV shows and movies. No. Like, uh, why not? And then when I'm, you agreed, you'd also gave me a boost yesterday. And I actually, you know, when you're so, you know what? I like it. I like what you're doing. And, uh, 
I think you just said, I think you got something here. Yeah. And that just from you just felt really great uh-huh. because you're in that fog of creativity and you don't yeah. really know. And we don't have a huge audience, right. but we've got some momentum. Yeah. yeah. And well, what I liked about yours is what I noticed is that it kept me engaged. And I looked at a lot of them. Yeah. Too, and whether that's coming from you, the sure. way it's put together, whatever that is, I think it's a, probably a bit of both. You know, it kept me engaged. And not look, there's so many things out there. There's so much noise yeah. that you have to figure out how to keep your audience engaged. And you've done a very, you know, good job. Well, of that. thank you. But it's like you know, you don't have to. You can't do something to plan to scale something to be Joe Rogan or something. Right. You know, you just have to do the work. And, yeah. and if you find an audience and you do the work of trying to get mm-hmm. content out there, people will find it. Right. But um, I appreciate that. So anyway, you have got some shows going on. Yep. And you're constantly pitching in L.A. is what mm-hmm. you're saying. You're pitching Always. ideas, trying to get green lights. I mean, you have to. Talk like about rejection real quick. I don't want to extend yeah. this too much, but you've had a lot of mm-hmm. no's. Yeah. Mostly no's. Mostly. All of us have mostly no's. Yeah. yeah, especially out here. And out here it gets kind of... So I was just saying before we even started the cameras up, or the, the, uh, the microphones, that one show that we have that we have received a yes on, but again, those yeses, there's still a few more stages. Yeah. But we have received a yes on is a shiny floor, which is a studio, um, game show, DIY twist, big, loud, obnoxious, colorful, crazy antics. Starts out as like the weekend warriors of the normal DIY fix and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. And then it gets to just, you know, using screwdrivers that are five times the size of us. You know, I mean, it's just like, and what, that, what was funny about this, the reason I'm saying is because when the show was pitched to me, I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. I'm always trying to be like my as authentic as I can be. And I'm like, I don't know if that's really me. And and then they're like, well, we think we could do it. And you never, that's just it. You never know what's going to work. Yeah. And for as many times as I've, I, I, I mean, you get the majority, 99% of the time it's a no yeah. for when we pitch shows. But when we do get the yes, a lot of those yeses have been shows that I never would have thought that they would have said yes to it. Yeah, isn't that that's strange? Yeah, I, I've had similar experiences, or the client will take some idea and shift it, or do something, or take an idea that you never thought that they would ever no. go for. No. Yeah, and then and they, then they run with it. Yeah, You're like how did this happen? Yeah, I'm so, glad I didn't dial back what I my pitch. Because one, it makes you think like, okay, <laughs> maybe I'm just not very smart. You know, you think like, I'm not onto it. And then you think, or maybe this business is just crazy enough that that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. And you never know where it's going to hit. You never know where your paycheck's going to come from. You just kind of hope that you can juggle enough balls in the air to make a few of them really work. And when they do, they, you know, knock on wood, you hope that that's successful. It's a good run. It, yeah. Whatever it is, it makes some headway and people like it and yeah. enjoy it. And, um, and then you really go full tilt. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's uh, that's kind of the nature of the beast, and I'm still you know pounding the pavement almost yeah. every day, uh, trying to pitch a show, trying to get creative in some form yeah. within this industry, uh, just like the next guy. Yeah, for know? sure. Uh, tell me about Amy's projects that's coming up, and then yeah. we'll yeah. So my wife uh, just shot um, she just shot this uh, TV show, 13 episodes. Uh, I don't even know if I can say where it's going to air because I don't yeah. think it's even been there announced yet, but. Um, it's called Stargirl, and Stargirl is based on uh, the the guy who started it was based on loosely based on his his sister, and um, the guy his name is Jeff Johns. 
He was the writer for Wonder Woman. Uh, he's made a big splash here in Hollywood, um, and this was his first comic that he ever he, that he ever put together. Mm. And um, he's you know he got the green light to actually go shoot a, ser- a, a show, a TV yeah. show with it. So Amy plays the mom uh, of Stargirl, um, and then Luke Wilson plays the dad. And it's a fun, yeah. in like a Luke Wilson comedy type of way, where sure. it's like dry humor, but yeah. at the same time, it's very family centric. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and that's kind of how the how how Jeff Johns wanted to create and mm-hmm. make that show, where any age range could watch it, and yeah. uh, he did a good job of that. Well, and there were aspects that was probably in it in this show as well, but this uh, Wonder Woman had a, a lot of. Um, uh, sub narratives of of power and equality and women and just you know like that those so I'm sure there's a lot of like we you know he's just such a great crafter of characters yeah, and yeah. things like that yeah so. yeah all right buddy I really appreciate oh, it oh man I'm are you I'm, kidding me it's so excited to have you here I. I can't believe I'm here. I know, it's so and I'm also, I, you know, I'm going to run you down in Traverse City again at some point. Perfect. And uh, maybe I'll help you uh, build a, a, an amphitheater. Well, I mean, you were also thinking about doing a, an amphitheater yep. of some kind, a small yeah. little in the round yeah. thing for music. Yep. I'm not handy, though. Well, you know what? You know. That's why I'm. That's why I'm so beautiful. Yeah, that's why you're so beautiful. That's why you get an iPhone too. I mean, those things are. Oh man, changes your life. Changed my life. I'm obsolete. (laughs) There's three. There's three lenses on that thing. On the iPhone. I'm out. Oh, it's crazy. I'm done. I was always. And thank you for the portraits. We shot some great portraits. Thank you. uh, And um, and I'll send them to you as soon as they're done. Jump in the water. Jump in the ocean, right? We'll do that. I gotta get my toes in. I told Mark I want to put my feet in the ocean before we drive back. It's right there. Thank you, buddy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Best of luck. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation from Malibu with Carter. Um, His home is truly incredible. The location on on high on this canyon ridge, it overlooks Malibu and the ocean. And uh, it's a very, very special place. And I, uh, my thanks to Carter for inviting us up there to such a, a, a wonderful location to shoot the portraits and um, to sit down and have a chat on his back patio. It was uh, truly memorable. And um, if you want to check out the portraits I shot of Carter on uh, at his home in Malibu, head on over to the fullexposurepodcast.com website. You'll see lots of video excerpts of our conversation in Malibu. And also, uh, like I mentioned, the portraits. I also added some, some aerial photos I shot of uh, the region right around where he lives. So definitely check out... Carter's episode page at fullexposurepodcast.com. Hey, everybody, let's attack. Is attack the right word? It isn't these days. That's not a good word. Um, Let's uh, throw ourselves into 2020 and go get it, everybody, okay? Have a great week. We've got lots more for you coming up very soon. This Full Exposure Podcast episode has been made possible through the support of Metro Health, University of Michigan Health, and Dr. Peter Hahn, who believe that creativity and the arts are essential to a rich, healthy, and fulfilling life.